From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode of Newt's World, we're continuing our holiday party with my guest, Sean Hannity. I've known Sean for 30 years. And I think you'll find the conversation just fascinating. You can see some of the photos I shared on our show page at newtsworld.com. Hey, Mr. Speaker, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Are you geared up for Christmas? I don't know what that means yet. I mean, you know, I have this period. I get one two-week vacation a year, and it's Christmas week and New Year's week. But to get to being normal again usually takes almost the first full week. We've been friends for so long, I can share this. You know, there are periods where I get frustrated with you because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be away. I'm traveling to this country, this country, this country, this country, this country. When I travel, I go to, let's see, Helsinki, Vietnam, Singapore, and Iraq. That's the extent of my travel. And, and I'm like, ah, oh, newt's out a month, I'll say. But every time when you come back, and I've chronicled this, brimming with like an overflow of incredible ideas that are always meaningful to me. Here's a little trick. Every time it's the first interview when you're back from one of your sabbaticals, I pay very close attention because that is the culmination of whatever length of time it was of you thinking. And new thinking usually is a good thing for those of us that want to solve problems. So that's a, the highest compliment, believe it or not. Oh, no, that, that's a quite a compliment. Well, you're talking to me. I'm sitting in front of the Christmas tree in Rome. You missed it earlier, but I shared with our audience 
the nativity scene that they unveiled at the Vatican this weekend, which has to be the strangest scene ever unveiled at the Vatican. You'll see what I'm talking about. Knowing you, I just want to see what you do with it. What is that? Which was beautiful. I, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not from Roswell, New Mexico. I don't exactly know what that is. What is that? They are ceramic figures, which yeah. were actually made in Abruzzo in southern Italy about 1965. Right. And it's apparently a local folk art version of a nativity scene, which I have to confess, we went back and looked at it a second time so we could get closer. Part of it looks like a spaceman. <laughs> the first one did. Now, this <laughs> I could actually see the resemblance of maybe a shepherd or a yeah. nativity scene with the red and obviously Mary behind you know, the creative right. imagination, the spirit That's of right. But uh, But frankly, after COVID and everything else, I think to the degree that people can reach into their hearts and have a good spirit of Christmas and of Hanukkah, it's just good for everybody, whatever country you're in. We're seeing a decline over here, a significant decline in new yeah. cases. Pattern seems to hold, right? I mean, you have a spike, you have a second wave or a third wave, level out the curve, and then you see a precipitous decline and it goes down. The difference this time, though, is and if you have something you want to be thankful for for Christmas, thank medical research and scientists between the therapeutics like Regeneron and Eli Lilly's version of it, and now not one vaccine. I think we'll end up with nine by the end of the day, but it was a big deal when the vaccines left the Pfizer plant over the weekend. And by the way, rightly, it's going to be distributed to frontline healthcare workers first, and then the elderly, those most vulnerable. I looked at the list. I think I was right behind you. <laughs> You're a long way behind me. Not really. Not after this year. One of the things, Mr. Speaker, I love about you is, you know, years ago, you were an Alvin Toffler future shock individual. I mean, these are the things that really smart people think about. People spend yeah. entire careers on viruses. The first case in the U.S. was January 31st this year. And now we have a vaccine that is now going in people's arms that will save lives. So, I mean... As hard as a year as it's been, it's been a year of incredible advancement and creativity, and we're thankful for those people. Almost a miracle how rapidly it worked, and I think Trump deserves a great deal of credit because, you know, he broke through the bureaucracy. He insisted it could be done. He focused the resources to do it, and millions of lives worldwide will be saved yeah. by these breakthroughs. So in that sense, hopefully we are at close to the end of a very long, hard year, but I think there's a chance that 21 will be better, not just in health terms, but frankly, trying to get idiotic governors like Cuomo to back off and recognize that their kind of dictatorial controls are totally counterproductive and ruin lives. In some ways, you could argue that the governors have caused more damage than COVID has. I remember very early on, you were in Rome and you had written a column and I read it. I read all your stuff and you're like, this is real. Pay attention to this because Italy was getting hit before we got hit. And I know the president won't get credit. It shouldn't be political, but it became political in way too many ways. Yeah. But the fact is the medical mobilization that we witnessed 
And I was right in the middle of this. I call it an Adam Schiff show. I say it very carefully in Long Island. And I remember I have friends of mine that work in the hospital system out here. And it was one Saturday. And between Friday and Saturday, they had 18,000 new cases, 18,000. Hospitals were overwhelmed. Patients were in the hallway. And then I'm reading your article and I'm like, wow, here it comes. And that was probably the only moment I was really, this might overtake us. And because I always believe in medicine and science and, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of it got politicized, but then, you know, they sent in the two hospital Navy ships. They built 3,000 bed hospital COVID capable at the Javits Center. They built them all around the country. And, you know, when you talk about the shutdown aspect of this, Mr. Speaker, you know, if the farmers stop farming, if the medical manufacturers stop producing their supplies, if the packers didn't pack the trucks and the truckers didn't drive, we were dead. And none of those people ever shut down. And they're unsung heroes in this too. Somebody will presently write a serious history of 2020, and it will be very different than the news media version. Yeah. And people will realize how big the mobilization was. So I think it's the biggest mobilization since World War II. Agreed. And, you know, we've gone all out. It's been very painful. And both of us have good friends. I expect everybody who's on the line right now has, everyone knows somebody who has had COVID or in some tragic cases died of it. But I do think we'll get through this. Yeah, it was a mutual friend. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. 
Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you both ready for some questions? Sure. Oh, sure. Here's one from Marie from California. She says, Dura, what's up with his report? Is this for the speaker, me, or I don't you know? Either one of no, you, we, go for it. We always start with you, Sean, because they get at me every month. But <laughs> this is a rare treat for them. I mean, the five years you were speaker, and then one of the things you were able to do when you weren't speaker anymore, we remain close friends all throughout, is that you never stop writing books, you never stop going on television, you never stopped fighting for your principles and your ideas. And every step of the way, whatever political battle we've had to engage in, you've been a force right in the middle of it, including the rise of Donald Trump. And, you know, as it relates to Durham, what I'm most worried about I'll answer it a backdoor way, is when the media can tell all of us that, oh, there's no credible person sees any evidence with Hunter Biden. The reality is there was credibility to Joe and Hunter from day one. And the credibility was Joe on videotape bragging that you have six hours, you're not getting a billion tax dollars until you fire a Ukrainian prosecutor. Why would a vice president of the United States ever demand a Ukrainian prosecutor get fired. Well, then we found out about Burisma. And then Hunter does GMA, no oil, no gas experience, no energy, no Ukraine experience, but he's getting paid millions of dollars. I bring that up in the context of Durham. What I'm most worried about are institutions failing all of us. The media hid Joe Biden in the basement. The media lied and they knew they were lying about Hunter Biden not having scandals. We have irrefutable, incontrovertible evidence that Hillary Clinton, 
it's not in dispute anymore. She paid for a dirty Russian misinformation dossier. That dossier became the bulk of information for four FISA applications. Those applications were used to spy on a presidential candidate, Donald Trump, a transition team of Donald Trump, and a president, Donald Trump. And here we are four years later, and only one person has been held accountable. The Horowitz report literally referred these top officials for investigations and criminal referrals, and it never happened. The fact that the media can lie, the fact that institutional corruption, what we call a deep state, exists and can protect its own, and everything else associated with us, and tell us for three years there was Trump-Russia collusion and it wasn't true, and then impeach a president over a non-phone call, and then ignore every real whistleblower in, in terms of election fraud. They didn't want to hear from them at all. That part scares me because that's not something that I recognize as uniquely American. Those are things that we thought other countries did. Those were corrupt practices of those countries, not this country. So if a mob and big tech can suppress news stories, if people, we find all the evidence in the world that they're involved in something like the deep state in this whole Mueller, Trump, Russia conspiracy lie, and they can brush it all under the rug. And then we can have real whistleblowers that identify real fraud in an election, but nobody wants to hear from them. That part makes me nervous because we've lost something for this republic to survive. And that is a people that are locked into hearing, accepting truth and a standard of morality that, you know, if you cross it, you will get in trouble. The only people that seem to get in trouble are conservatives if they spit on the sidewalk. I think that we will probably in the long run win because I think that the drive for freedom is greater than the acceptance of sort of a serfdom. But I think it's a real fight. I think the institutional systems that are opposed to us and that want to exploit us are breathtaking in how much power they've developed. And I think that it's a part of the next evolution of American politics and culture is, I think, going to be this fight between the forces of freedom and the forces of oppression. And we were talking a while ago with Laura about a pastor in California who has 7,000 members of his church who just said flatly he wasn't obeying any order to close his church. And 7,000 people showed up for the service and Nobody was willing to come and try to arrest them. And I think that's where we're at. I think, you know, you see sheriffs now who say they won't enforce whatever the governor says about Christmas. Same thing happened over Thanksgiving. And I think it's going to get worse. And presently, I think there's going to be an absolute political rebellion, not military, but political rebellion against people like Cuomo, who are out there right now destroying jobs in a way that is just crazy. I mean, there's a report that maybe as many as 160,000 restaurants are going to go broke around the country. It's nuts. You, how many times have you spoken at the 21 Club? <laughs> Fair number over exactly. the years. Bye-bye. It's gone. Now that it gets more open, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I think as we get beyond the intensity of the election, 
that you'll see new language and new approaches and a new awareness. I mean, a little to my surprise already, you're seeing some breakdown in the iron curtain of left-wing propaganda. Things are starting to come out about Hunter Biden that didn't used to be there. Other things are coming out that you wouldn't have seen two weeks or three weeks ago. I think that that may continue. And I also think that people are self-organizing. I mean, in California now, they have, I think, 800,000 signatures already to recall the governor. And they need about a million five, which I think means they actually need about 2.2 million. But they have until the end of March to get them. And I think the governor, by the way, has been totally shocked by the scale of the response and the fact that so many Californians are disgusted with his behavior. So, you know, French Laundry, $350 dinner for him, and no place near you is open. Eat uh, cake. Let him eat that's cake. Right. That's exactly right. And that's going to be part of the fight is corrupt politicians and corrupt bureaucrats who think the rest of us are stupid. And then, frankly, they're billionaire allies. When I see somebody like Bill Gates, who's the fourth or fifth wealthiest guy in the world, tell us that the rest of us may not be able to go to work for another year. I wonder if he is so totally tone deaf that he has no idea what he's saying. And I think in that sense, you're going to see a total shakeup in the American political system in which the billionaires who like selling out to China are going to be allied to the teachers union and they're going to be allied to the hard left. And then all the rest of us are going to be the other team. And that's going to include a lot of African-Americans, a lot of Latinos, a lot of Asian-Americans, and a lot of Native Americans. I mean, there are places where Trump was doing amazingly well. Biden actually carried the smallest number of counties of any winning presidential candidate in American history. Their base is shrinking into just these enclaves, and the rest of the country is repudiating them. Yeah. You know, that's the hopeful side. You know, one thing that I think we can always predict, because there is an ebb and flow to the political cycle. Sure. If I'm right in my analysis, there are three waves of conservatism, Reagan, you, and Trump. The one predictable thing is there's going to be overreach. Now, yep. we've had overreach in the past. This time, though, you know, the Democrats, liberals, socialists, they always would hide what they really wanted to do. They're not hiding it anymore. Now they're actually saying it. And in my humble opinion, I look at Joe Biden as weak, frail, struggling cognitively. And my fear is the more radical elements of his base will exploit all of it for the advancement of their agenda. Now, once you have the overreach, then you're looking at Trump 2.0, the Tea Party 2.0, or a conservative movement, or those that want freedom and liberty, and they're not going to stop the fight. They're not. The tipping point is very close where the battle begins. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If we win the two seats in Georgia, and I think we will despite everything, we basically have checkmated the radicals. The gains we have in the House mean Pelosi's not going to be able to pass anything that's radical. I wrote a newsletter the other day at Gingrich 360 in which I pointed out that two years after Bill Clinton wins, we pick up 54 seats and I become speaker. Two years after Obama wins, we pick up 63 seats and Boehner becomes speaker. Now, you're talking about a situation where the odds are very high that Kevin McCarthy is going to be the speaker in January of 23. And if you go out to the states, the gains we made in state legislators and governorships, you name it, this was a very bizarre election, which is why I've always thought that you can't explain Biden 
by any reasonable explanation. Why are you so confident in Georgia? First of all, because I talked to Robert Cahaley of Trafalgar, and he is pretty confident now. We have to win by a bigger margin than they can steal. The challenge for them is they pick two people who are genuinely, ultimately not acceptable. Asif is basically a trust fund baby who's never done a thing in his life and who really represents, I wrote a column calling him San Francisco John Asif. He raises far more money in California than he raises in Georgia. And he's sort of a radical. But his problem is he's now running on the same ticket with Raphael Warnock. And Raphael Warnock is the most radical candidate ever nominated by a major party. Yes. And every day we learn more new things about how radical he is. And you see it beginning to wear him down. I mean, he's now clearly falling behind Kelly Loeffler. So I think in the end, we will be able to win those two seats. Because when you don't have the Trump, Biden, and the media hostility for Trump weighing everything down, and now you get down to actually looking at the Senate races, Mm -hmm. the Democrats have overreached. Yeah. They could have nominated some nice centrist, but then that wouldn't have gotten the kind of turnout that they wanted. And they deliberately went for a radical strategy to see if they could stuff the ballot boxes and gin up enough excitement, enough energy on the left. And in the end, that hasn't worked very well anywhere in the country. I mean, the truth is, there aren't many places where that strategy is very attractive because the average American doesn't like it. And you get into the social correctness. Look, I hope you're right. You know Georgia well. You know Georgia better than me. We have a great history in Georgia. It's as important as any race in our lifetime, in my view, for the very reason. I agree. But, you know, look, there's a wave. There's always an up and down, an ebb and flow, political cycles, call it whatever you want. And I've lived through enough of them now to see this is probably the most predictable in terms of what they will do and what the reaction of the American public is going to be. For 75 million Americans, there is no appetite for what they're planning to do. And assuming that their stated agenda becomes their policies, becomes their attempt to transform America, it also becomes their biggest liability, and it also becomes a boomerang back on them. Because instinctively, there will be a do-you-miss-me-yet component of Biden's president. And that will be almost a daily reminder. And the answer is going to be, if it happens, wow, and I was getting offended at tweeting, it will minimize so greatly the things that everybody feigns so much outrage about. I mean, on top of everything else, he's going to have to be hiding. He'll be hiding Biden in the White House. And you'll have President Trump in exile. You know, look at it that way. If as as we're talking about, you know, descending into a level of corruption that I hoped we'd never see or want for our country. But assuming all of that, Americans are going to be like, OK, this guy's checked out. That'll be figured out fairly quickly. And then they're going to start getting nervous. And I'm going to tell you something else. This is purely just a fact. You sort of like if you ask anybody, a pollster or a focus group, do you like negative ads? No. Then you look at whether the negative ads work. They always work. Do you want the president to always be presidential? Yes. But boy, you're going to miss it when you get the guy that you never see also, because it was engaging and politics was fun again in a lot of ways. 
And it was a constant battle of ideas and outrage feigned and otherwise from the media and the president's enemy. So there's going to be a lot of things that are going to unfold that are going to be, from my perspective, and I know yours as a historian, that are going to be very, very interesting to watch, I think. You got a first taste of that at the yeah. Army-Navy game. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. I even saw a couple of reporters grudgingly note that the amazing speed of the vaccine process was due to Donald Trump. The other example, of course, which is going to be fascinating, as you may remember, when I was speaker, I offered the bill to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, yep. which every president waived. They had an annual right to annually waive it until Trump. Now, Biden's got two, two or three big things here. Does he move the embassy back to Tel Aviv? I doubt it. I doubt it. So if he leaves it in Jerusalem, second, you just had Morocco come out and recognize Israel. I am told there may be two or three more countries yep. before the end of President Trump's term. Does Biden try to undercut it? That would be interesting. Yeah. And then third, of course, you have the whole Iranian problem. And with people like John Kerry hanging out and Barack Obama, I'm sure they are desperate to find a way to appease the Iranians. So all of these things are going on. But what it does mean is that you and I will have things to talk about <laughs> all next year. We will. It's going to be 100 days for our side. I'm warning everybody, get your vacation yep. over Christmas and New Year's. That's right. Listen, I'm really grateful to you for spending time with us. I Every hope you have a wonderful time. Christmas. You too. You've earned it. I know better than most people how hard you work, how Thank passionately you believe in America, and how much you've done to help the conservative movement. I have a great mentor and older brother in you, so whatever good I do, you can take credit for it. All the bad stuff, I tried to help him. I tried my best. He doesn't listen. I refuse to think of you doing any bad things. Uh, Mr. Speaker, listen, I love you and your family. God bless you guys. Merry take Christmas. Care. Happy New Year to everybody. So, and thanks for having me, thanks. of course. Take care. And let me say to everyone who's joined us in the Inner Circle, I hope you had an interesting time. This is new. We haven't done anything like this before. Let us know if you like it. We're also going to ask all of you, if you listen to the podcast, what do you like about them most? And how would you like to see them evolve next year? We're trying to build sort of a younger generation, much broader approach to podcasting. And so we'd love to have your help and your advice on that. I hope all of you have a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful Hanukkah. And I hope that all of you have a great New Year's. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoy the sense of friendship and the swapping of ideas that went on at our holiday party, you can become a member of my Inner Circle Club by going to newtsinnercircle.com. Thank you to the members of my Inner Circle Club and our holiday party guests, Rob Smith, Gianna Caldwell, David Grasso, Laura Ingram, and Sean Hannity. You can see some of the photos I shared on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com questions I'll answer a selection of questions in future episodes. 
If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.